I am so glad you're here, and I'm very, very excited about the new message series that we're going to begin today, and we're going to get into that in just a moment, but would you take a moment with me, and would you just say thank you to our worship team and our tech team for leading us. Great time of worship today. Hey, this morning, and the guys have not put it up on the screen yet, and I appreciate that, or you would have already known the answer to it, or although you may have already looked into your bulletin, and you know this already, but uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to start today, and then for the next two Sundays ahead of us, I'm going to talk about becoming fit. Now, if I said to you, I'm going to start this series about becoming fit, what do you think I'm going to be talking about? Those of you who do not already know, you have not already seen, you'd be saying, okay, I, I think I know where he's going with this. He's going to talk about, you know, maybe some of the classic verses in the Bible, like our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit and And, uh, you know, the Bible says, honor God with your body. So he's going to talk about getting fed physically. And that's an important subject. The Bible speaks into it, but uh, we're not going to talk about it today. And some of you are like, I'm glad, I'm glad because I know what some of you are thinking. Uh, You know, you were thinking, I know, you know, that he saw me standing in the parking lot at Brewster's getting a quadruple scoop ice cream, you know, the other day. And so this message series came to him or or he saw me in the McDonald's, uh, you know, drive through How many of you know, this is true, I'm not making this up, uh, that Big Mac now comes in three versions. How many of you know this? The, the traditional one, and, and I'm going to be honest because, you know, confession is good. Uh, I got sucked into the advertisement, so I had a Big Mac Jr. recently, and I'm telling you, it was, it was good. It was really. I'm like, I got to try one of those things. And, and I did. But I did not get the traditional size, and I certainly did not get the big gargantuan size that, you know, uh, based on advertisement, I suspect it's about the size of the hood of your car. I did not order, you know, like the triple, quadruple, you know, huge Mac Daddy Big Mac. I, I did not get that one. So I'm not talking about that, though, although it would be good to talk about because the Bible addresses it. But what I want to do is I want to talk about uh, becoming financially fit. And I've got some really, really strong feelings about this because I, I want to help so many people that are part of our church family. I was thinking about it standing over there. You know, while I was worshiping, I was also having these thoughts because I was looking at you. And then I was saying, God, you know, give me, first of all, clarity of thought. You know, how many bring, I pray this often, how many bring every single thought captive? You know, I, wanna, I don't want my, my mind to be thinking about work. I don't want to be thinking about what I'm going to do later today. I want my mind to be like fully in the moment. And, and I was looking at you, and I was saying, God, I just pray that you would anoint me and use me because there's so many young families here that you've got a tremendous amount of pressure in regards to finances. But then this thought came to me, and it was like the Lord because I'm not smart enough, and it was like God was saying, hey, Jeff, you need to tell you know, those who are not the younger families, the older folks, that they need to, they need to listen too. Because you may think you have a lot figured out, but uh, you and I, we never get beyond the point where we ought to be teachable. And the reason I say that, not because I have any incredible words of wisdom I'm going to share with you, but I just believe that supernaturally, the way the Holy Spirit works, while I'm sharing with you this talk straight out of the Bible this morning, that God's going to speak something to you, and it's going to create a mechanism for you to have a reaction to it. And and it's going to be like, God, I think you just spoke to me. And that's going to happen. And it's not because of me, it's in spite of me, but it's because God loves you. And I love you, and I want to help you with this because I have conversations all of the time with people about their finances. And, and what I hear, and this is going up, and I'm, again, there's not a week that goes by. In fact, this past week, just numerous conversations. And, and you know what I'm finding? As people talk to me about their finances, 
young couples, older couples, single people, married people, it seems like the pressure meter is going up, not down. And so I have no regrets about talking about this subject, although, you know, it's amazing to me when you think about it that uh, a lot of churches never address what Jesus talked about a whole lot in the Bible. In fact, do you know, do you know, think about this, do you know that Jesus talked about the subject, a lot of you know this, some of you may not, that Jesus talked about money and material possessions more than he talked about anything else, any other subject, including subjects like heaven and hell and other very important subjects. And you may be saying, well, why did Jesus talk about money so much? Because we're thinking about it so much. You've been thinking about it this week. And we think about it a whole lot of different ways. We think about, all right, how am I going to pay the bills? Or what about my income? Or, or it seems like, you know, we're tight right now. Or, or how do I put some money in savings? How do I knock down this debt? How do I plan for retirement? How do I get ready? Because you know that your, your child is going uh, to go to college one day or your children. And, and we've got three kids and two are already married. And I'm thinking about a daughter. And, and you know, she's a sophomore in college. And how am I going to pay for a wedding one day? Thank God it's not going to be for at least 40 years. But how am I going to pay for it when it gets here? So you have all these kind of thoughts that are going through your mind, you know, and, and you're thinking about it, and that's why, you know, Jesus talked about it because we're thinking about it so much. Maybe we're talking about, thinking about it more than heaven and hell, and maybe that's why Jesus talked about it. In, in fact, do you know, do you know that in the Bible there are over 2,350 passages in the Bible that talk about money and material possessions? And, and again, it's just amazing to me. It's amazing to me that churches don't talk about it more, but, uh, and I don't prejudge. I'm not going to say, well, I know why, uh, because I don't know why. But I know this, if Jesus talked about it that much, if the Bible speaks to it as much as it does, we need to talk about it. And I want to help you. I really do. And we're going to go to an incredible parable this morning. It's one of the famous stories that Jesus tells, and he tells it in Matthew chapter 25. It's an amazing story. And uh, after we just sort of set it up and look at the first verse, I'm actually going to give you, and and I'm I'm just telling you, today I'm going to lay the foundation, but we're going to become more practical next week. So you just understand that week one, we're going to lay a foundation. Week two, we're going to become more practical, but there's going to be some practical things that I may interject if we have time that I think will help you and that will encourage you and that will inspire you to greater levels of faith. But Jesus talked about this in Matthew 25 when he told the story about the talents. And a lot of times when people hear or they read about the story of the talents, they say, well, the talent is about, they think in terms of our language today. Well, Jesus was talking about our talents, that we all have talents or we all have abilities. And, you know, I'm not saying that that cannot be connected remotely to it. I'm just saying that when Jesus gave the parable of the talents, he was not talking about like a talent or a gift or an ability. What he was actually talking about is money. How do we know that? Because of what we're about to see. So I want to go ahead and dive in. Uh, The first verse I want you to look at, and we're going to just look at a series of verses because you're going to see unfolding seven financial laws that Jesus gives us in this famous story. It's it's one of his parables, and let's look at this. By the way, over half of Jesus' parables, in case you don't know this, over half of his parables deal with money. So let's look at the first one. This is verse 14, and this is Jesus speaking, and Jesus says, Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants, and what did he do? Read the rest of it with me. And he entrusted his money to them while he was gone. So it's called the parable of the talents, but you've got to understand, 
It's a parable about money. Now, one of the reasons I mentioned to you that we need to talk about money is because it's something we're thinking about all the time. You've, you've had a lot, of, a lot of space in your brain this week, and you will this next week, thinking about money issues, even subconsciously. You may be doing it and not even realizing it, uh, but we need to speak to it because Jesus has so much to say about it, and Jesus knows that when we think about money, managing money, it's actually a spiritual discipline. Uh, take a look at what David Platt has written. Uh, he has said this. Look at it on the screen. He said, the way we use our money is a barometer of our present spiritual condition. And so what I want to do for the next few moments is I want to give you seven laws. And I know what time it is. I'm a time, time-conscious guy. But I also know, and so I'm speak for just a moment to you who have a brain like mine, which is an analytical kind of brain. And so you, you say it's, it's 11.42, and I know what time we need to get out. And he's got seven laws, so that means he needs to hit each law about X number of minutes per law. All right? I know how some of you think. And some of you are wondering, can he do it? And I promise you I can all right, I'll get it done, but here's an agreement. I may talk a little fast, and you think because I'm from Georgia, I really can't do that, but I can, all right? I'm going to talk a little fast. If I do that, will you listen fast? That's all I'm asking. All right, seven laws. Be sure, sure you get them. Now, there's no page in your bulletin if you want to use that, but I know a lot of you use your phone or your tablet, but I want you to get down these seven financial laws from Matthew 25 in Jesus' famous parable. Here's the first one, the law of possession. The law of possession is this. Be sure you get it now. The law of possession is everything I have belongs to God. Everything I have belongs to God. I mentioned a few moments ago that we need to be praying for the Howard family and for the Glotfelty family. Randy Glotfelty, um, a little bit younger than I am, but a great friend of mine. I've known Randy for a long, long time. And because Randy is a good friend of mine, uh, a number of years ago, Randy loaned me an electric, a small electric chainsaw. And he loaned that to me, and I asked him to borrow it because I have no business using, like, a real chainsaw, like, you know, gas-powered, big. I mentioned to you last week that I, I recognize at this point a hammer and a screwdriver, but if it gets beyond that, uh, you know, it gets pretty complex for me. So I have no business using, like, a real chainsaw, but Randy had this little electric uh, chainsaw, so I asked him if I could borrow that. And that's been a number of years ago and I still got it. And if Randy's in this service and I haven't seen Randy yet, I'll pay you for it. But, you know, the reality is, and I'll just tell you the way this works, it sat in my garage for so long, in the same place in my garage for so long because I wasn't, like, using it every week. It sat there till after a while, and we all do this, after a while, I looked at it, and this is how I emotionally felt. I felt, well, that's my chainsaw. That's mine. I've had it long enough. It's been in this place. I've used it. In fact, it looked pretty new when Randy initially loaned it to me. So I've got a feeling I've had it a lot longer than Randy had it. And so emotionally, I look at it, and it feels like it's my chainsaw, but it's, it's actually Randy's chainsaw, all right? But I feel like it's mine. Now, there is, and I don't want this moment to get by, and some of you... I, I don't know. I'm just now I'm thinking and now I'm nervous because some of you are saying, well, hey, don't, you know, don't just mention Randy. How about me? Don't you? Rem-? And I'm just telling you, I'm bad. I, it's a weakness. I have a few strengths, but I have a lot of weaknesses. And there's a moral to this story. Please never. Lo- I'm just giving you a warning. Don't ever loan me anything. 
because I'm bad. I'm bad. I'll, I don't mean to. I don't want to keep it. I don't want to steal it, but I just forget to give it back to you. So lesson I'm trying to give you right here is don't ever loan me anything because I'll, I'll hold on to it. But by, by the way, how many of you are on a boat? I'm just curious. I'm just, all right, just, just want to make a mental note right, right here for a second. Now, we do that with money all the time. Because, in fact, you may, even as I mentioned this, that everything we have belongs to God. You may be saying, well, well hold on, Jeff. I'm, I'm getting out, and I'm working. I'm a hard worker. I'm a diligent worker. I get out there, and, you know, I'm, I'm up early, and I give a full day's work, and I'm creative in my thinking, and, and I'm doing. But this is, time out. This is what I want you to think about. Who has given you the ability to work? Who has given you the ability to work? Who's given you the energy? Who's given you the creative? Who's given you the temperament, you know, to be able? Who's given you the thought processes, the intelligence? Who's given you that job? Who's given you that business? And that's, that's something that God has given to you. So everything that we have belongs to God. Now, there's a couple of things that is true. In, in that hospital nursery that you were placed in once you were born, all right, you take that and you compare it to, to where your body, not your spirit, but your body is going to go after you pass away into the funeral home. At both places, you actually hold in your personal possession th- the same, dollar-wise, the same economic value, and that's a big fat zero. You, you didn't have anything. I didn't have anything when we came in. You've heard me say this before. We're not going to have anything when we leave. Now, continuing with Jesus' parable, look at the next verse. This is the A part of verse 15. Look at what it says right here. It says, and it's talking about the master, the owner, to one he gave, talking about one of these servants, to one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. Now, I've got to ask you a question here before we move on to the second law, all right? How many of you are with me? Wave. I'll put my hands up so I can see you. Who does the money belong to? Does it belong to the master or to the three servants? It belongs to the master. He's not giving them, he's not entrusting their money to them. He's entrusting his Now, you say, well, why would Jesus tell this parable? Why would, a, why would a master take and divvy up his money and give it to three people while he goes on this very long trip? And simple. And when Jesus told the story, they would understand it. Because in that day, in Jesus' day, there were no banks. There were no credit unions. There were no financial institutions where he could put this on deposit. And, you know, it'd be there when he got back. So what he did, he's going on a long trip. He, he gets it together, and it's a, you look it up. It's an enormous sum of money, and so he has great wealth, this master does, and he says, servant number one, I'm giving you five talents, I'm giving you two, I'm giving you one. But the reality is it all belongs, just like you and I, everything that we have belongs to God. Everything I have belongs to God. All right, be sure you get this next one, the second law. And it is, don't miss this now, it is the law of allocation. The law of allocation, and it is this, God has loaned me money. God has loaned me money, the law of allocation. Now, everything, when you really stop and think about it, that has real value to you has been loaned to you by God while you're in this world. See, if you have an ability, and and many of you do, and I highly respect a lot of the abilities that, that you have, you have abilities that I will never have in a lifetime. I know what some of you do. I see how some of you work. I know what you do for a living, and you have this tremendous ability that I will never have. But in reality, just like any limited abilities that I may have, 
that's on loan to us from God. God's given us. We're not smart enough. We're not creative enough. We're not good enough. We're not fantastic enough to have these abilities on our own. If you have a talent, guess who's given you that talent? God has given you that talent. If you're a Christian, the Bible says that you've been entrusted with spiritual gifts, that at the moment of your conversion, when you receive Christ, the Holy Spirit deposited spiritual gifts into your life, and they're on loan to you from God. The Holy Spirit assigns, the Bible says to everyone, he, just like, you know, God entrusts resources to us, the Holy Spirit entrusts unto us spiritual gifts, and he's like, I'm giving you these gifts, and I want you to do something with them. Everything that we have is on loan to us from God. Everything that values, you know, uh, your, your family, uh, money's been loaned to us. I mean, if, if, you're, if you're fortunate, if, uh, fortunate enough that uh, you have Think about this now, how incredible this would be if you were so blessed that you had season tickets to all the University of Georgia football games. Okay. I know what some of you are saying. You're saying that's not a blessing. That's a curse. I get it. I'm not offended by that. But all right, take your team. I mean, any, any good thing, anything that has any kind of value to you whatsoever, you've got to say. Otherwise, it, it would be an egotistical, prideful attitude to say, you know what? I've got this talent. I've got this ability. I've got this in my life, and it's all because of me. It's not because of you. It's not because of me. It's because God has loaned us what we have. And we're, we're talking about financial laws, and God has loaned us. It's what Jesus is talking about in this parable. God has loaned us money. Look at verses 16 through 18 right here on the screen. It said, the man who had received the five talents went at once and put, him, put the money to work and gained how many more? Five more. So also, look at the next part. So also, the one with the two talents gained how many more? Two more. But the man who had received the one talent went off dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Now, that's not a good thing. That's not a good thing. Now, but here's what I want you to understand before we move on to the third law. I want you to get this. Please do not miss this. In this story that Jesus is telling, one of his famous stories, we call them parables. In this story, Jesus wants it to be plain and clear to all of us that everybody gets something. Now, we don't all get equal equal amounts. We don't all get equal gifts. We don't all get equal talents. We don't all get equal money. But it's important for us to have this realization that everybody gets something. And I want you to really understand this. Money is a tool that is to be used. It is a tool that is to be used. Now, you can put it to work. You can actually put money to work. But people get this reversed in alarming ways. Now, let me ask you a question. And I read this some time ago, and then when I was thinking about this series, it came back to me, and, and I want you to, th to think about this. And it's obvious, but I'm going to ask you the question anyhow before we move on. What do you think is God's plan? Is God's plan to use money and to love people, or is it to love money and use people? Well, the answer is obvious. But you and I, and everybody else for that matter, will, will do one of two things. We'll either, friends, this is true for all of us, we'll either love people and use money for good, or we'll love money to such a high degree that it will use people. Now, read this first with me, everybody. This is 1 Timothy 6.10. Everybody read it with me. Here we go. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. I hear people say, and I've heard it many, many times, I've heard people interpret wrongly, by the way, this verse, and they said, money is evil. And that is not what it says. Money is not evil. 
How many of you know that money can be used for great and wonderful purposes? How many of you know that? Money, nothing wrong. And if you have a lot of money, that's great. You don't have to feel bad about having. If you have wealth, you don't have to feel bad about that. You don't have to feel like you're missing God's will because you have wealth. Money, listen, let me tell you this about money. Money is neutral. It can be used for good, beneficial purposes, or it can be used for negative and evil purposes. Jesus did not say that money is evil. What he said is when money becomes our prayer, when we love money, the love of money, it's not, you know, I'm no longer loving people and using money. Now I'm loving money and I'm using people. So according to Jesus' parable, we can choose what we're going to do with what God loans us. First servant, what does he do? He puts the money that the master, how many of you think you already haven't figured out who the master is in this story that Jesus is telling? You, you get this? I don't need to tell you, right? Who the master. Jesus is telling the story, and he's talking about the master taking his money, not the servant's money, but his money, and trusting it to the servants. And he said, so the servants went out, three of them. The, the servant that had five talents of money went out. How many more did he make? Talk to me. Five. The other servant who had been entrusted two talents, he went out, and he made how many more? Two, then the third servant went out, and what did he do? He wasted it. He wasted it. He put it in the ground. We're going to talk about this in just a moment. He hid it. Please hear me on this before we move on. What God has loaned to you is a test. What God has loaned to you is a test. And we're talking about financial laws, and so I want to address that specifically. But let me back off of that for just a moment and tell you that's true in so many, uh, so many arenas of our life. When God gives you a spiritual gift, it's a test to see if you're going to use it. And some of you are using your spiritual gift and some of you are not. But if you're a Christian, you have a spiritual gift. And if you have a spiritual gift, how many of you know God wants you to use it? And it's not so that you can say, I have a spiritual gift and let me tell you what my spiritual gift is, but I'm going to do nothing with it. So if God has given you equally a talent, how many of you know that God wants you to use your talent? If God's given you a, uh, an ability, if God's, whatever God has given you, it's a test, but especially God uses money as a test because, as I mentioned earlier, we're thinking about it so much, and God knows this, that if we can learn to trust him, check this out now, if we can learn to trust God with money, we'll be able to trust God with everything else in our life. Look at what happens next in this story. This is verse 19. Look at it on the screen. After a long time, the master of those servants returned, read the rest of it with me, everybody, and settled accounts with them. And this leads to the third financial law, and I want to give it to you. You ready? The law of accountability. The law of accountability is this. One day, God will audit me. One day, God will audit me. It's going to happen. It's going to happen to you, it's me. God's going to audit us. Now, how many of you have ever prayed this prayer, all right? Have you ever prayed this prayer where you just got on your knees, maybe in your devotional time, and, and you've just said, God, I'm asking. Uh, I don't want to, like, beg, but, God, I'm just pleading, you know, to the best of my ability. And, and God, I am praying that this will be the year that the IRS will audit me. How many of you have not prayed that prayer? How many of you pray that, you know, pray they never audit me? Not because you have anything to hide or because you've not been honest with your records, but cumbersome, time-consuming, all, all of that. And you know what I hope? I hope you'll go the rest of your life and not ever be audited by the IRS. But I want to say this because you need to hear it, and I need to hear it. One day God's going to audit us. 
God's going to audit us. And, and can I tell you this? You're not even going to need to collect your records and your receipts because God is already keeping track every single day of how are we handling what the master has entrusted unto us. Read this next verse with me, Romans 14, 12. Let's all read it together. All of us will have to give an account of ourselves to God. So one day, God's going to audit us, and we need to understand that. He's going to audit you. He's going to audit me. God's going to look at us, and he's going to say to us, what did you do with what I entrusted to you? I, I entrusted not all equal amounts, some get five, some get two, some get one, but I entrusted it, it, this to you. What did you do with what I entrusted to you? Let's continue with the story. Now, let's look at how this plays out. Let's go back. This is verses 20 and 21, back to Matthew 25. Look at this up here on the screen. It said, the man who had received the five talents brought the other five. We know he went out, earned five more, but he brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained five more. The master replied, let's all read this together. You ready? Well done, good and faithful servant. That's an attaboy. You've been, a, you've been a good guy. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. You've been a good and faithful servant. What you did with what I entrusted you, I'm pleased with. That's my boy. Good job. Look at verses 22 and 23. The man with the two talents also came, you know, because now it's audit time, settling accounts. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents, See, I have gained two more. His master replied. Again, let's read it together. What does his master say? Well done, good and faithful servant. Now, it's about to get ugly. Total change in verses 24 through 26. Look at these verses. Then the man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man. And when Jesus told this story, I imagine that people were really resonating with it. Really? You knew I was a hard man? Really? You, you knew more about me than what I even knew about my... Really? You knew that about me when, you know, you say I'm a hard man? Who gave you your information? None of the, none of the other guys, the other two guys, never mentioned that he's a hard man. This is this guy's thought. This is what he's having to imagine because he's having to give some sort of explanation for why he did not do anything with what the master had entrusted him. Well, I knew you're a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where, where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and I hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied. Now, it's totally different now, right? He's not saying, well done, you good and faithful servant. What does he say? You're a wicked what? Lazy servant. You are a wicked, lazy servant. It is, it is audit time. It is audit time, and I'm just not pleased with how you've handled what I've entrusted to you. In the, narr in the very next verse, the master says this, you could have at least put my money in the bank so that I could have earned interest on it. That's verse 27. And this leads us to the fourth financial law. Here it is. Be sure you get it. This is the law of utilization. I must use God's money wisely. I must use God's money wisely. The master, you know the story. You see the parable. The master obviously is totally unhappy with this third servant. It's like he's saying, are you kidding me? Really? 
I mean, these other guys are saying, I gave them, and they went out, and they put it to work. They made, you know, they used money. They love people, use money. They earned five more. This one earned two more. And so you, you dug a hole in the ground. You did what? You buried my money? Now, why does that matter? And I'll give you a little insight right here, all right? Listen to this. How many of you know that our tendency is to bury things that we really don't want to think about? We bury them. And we don't want to think about it. He didn't want to think about it. He wanted to just block it out of his mind. He wanted to just say, you know, if I put it in the ground, I don't have to think about it. I don't have to do anything with it. We usually bury things because we want to forget about things. Now, I want to ask you a question, and I try to be transparent with you and maybe more than I ought to be because I'm, I'm, I'm a guy that I've got a lot of weaknesses in my life. But let me ask you a question and see if you will respond accordingly. How many of you at some point in your life, I'm not saying the last 30 to 60 days, I'm just saying at some point in your life, how many of you have ever made a foolish financial decision? Could I just see your hand? You just hold your hand like and say, I've, I've made at least one, all right? So while we're on a little bit of a roll here, all right, so this take a little bit more how many of you would say, you know, I, and this will let me know if, if I'm in good company. How many of you, you probably have made more than one foolish financial decision in your life? All right, we all have. And what do we, what do, we do? We, we want to bury it. We want to forget about it. We don't, we don't even want to address it. And, and we don't even want to think about the foolish decision that we made. Have, have you ever had this thought? Have you ever had this thought? Why did I bury that? Why did I buy that? Why did, why did I buy that? Obviously, I, didn't, I wanted it, but I didn't need it, and, and I thought that it would make me happy, or I thought that it would bring me some measure of fulfillment, and, and I bought this, but why did I buy it? And you may, listen, you may be, let me put it this way, and you don't even have to raise your hand. How many of you have ever paid for something long after the fun is worn off? A foolish financial decision. How about this one? Um, why do I keep spending more money than I make? Why do I keep spending more money? And, and again, I'm just giving you a foundation. I'm just giving you a foundation today. We're going to get more practical next week. But I'm just telling you, I, I need to speak to this for just a moment because I, I, I just have this feeling. I've just got this feeling that this, what I'm about to say is applicable to a lot of you that are here today. A a lot of you, please hear me on this, and you know I love you, and you know I care about you, that's why I'm talking about this, but but some of you are spending more than you make, not because you don't have enough income, it's because you don't even have a budget. You don't even know where your money's going. You don't don't have any clue. It's like you've you've never sat down, you've never sat down, and maybe, maybe... something that you needed here today, and maybe it's all you needed to hear today, was it would be time for you to just sit down and put a budget together so you actually know where your money is going. And you may not even know. And you, it's like this. Again, I'll just give one practical reality. It's like if you were to take your, your income, all right, you take your income, and then you take your expenditures, and how many of you know if your income is here, how many of you know it's always a good thing if your expenditures come in like right here rather than like right here? 
All right, so if, if you say, all right, this is my income, and here are what my expenditures are, but where your expenditures are going. I see this happening, and this is not just young families. I see this happening to middle-aged families and older families all the time. They have no clue where their money is going. They never budget. They never say, this is my income, therefore I have this much money to spend, so I'm going to categorize my expenses. Like this part is going to be, you know, food, and this part is going to be like insurance, and this part is going to be, you know, a mortgage or a rent or whatever the case, and they don't have any idea and so they just keep spending 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 whereas if they had a category that all these areas was locked into something they wouldn't go past they'd say hey that is spent out we've got to stop spending here but this happens especially in our culture and I know it's got to be happening in our church family there's no budget there's no plan so it's spending 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 don't know when you go beyond the line of what should have been budgeted and then you reach a point and you say I'm out of money and you and you get to the end and it's like you know it's I've got more expenses than I do income. All right, now I, I do want to say there are, there are situations, there are situations that exception to this where people have lost a job or they've got laid off or there's been some economic downturn in their life and it's not because they're not wise planners and it's not because they've made any kind of foolish financial decision. It's just, you know, an interruption of the normalcy of their life and it's beyond their control. But what I'm talking about is the things that are within the context of our control. And we've all made foolish decisions. Why did I put that on a credit card? Why did I buy that? Proverbs 19.3, listen to this verse. Proverbs 19.3 says this. Some people ruin themselves by their own stupid actions and then blame the Lord. It's like they're frustrated with God. And it's like God, God wants to say, I didn't tell you to buy that. I, I didn't tell you you had to have that. Now, I mentioned, I mentioned to you that this is foundation, but I want to give you one other thought because somebody, it's probably more than somebody, it's probably multiple people need to hear this. Because I'm, I'm having these conversations with people all the time, and when they're talking to me about the money matters in their life, uh, the people that I'm talking to most, it's pressure, it's not peace. And... You know, a lot of people, it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to get a, I'm, I'm just going to, you know, put this on a credit card and put this on a credit card. And before you know it, it's just like out of control. Now, some of you, and, and this will, it's a reality check. And this, this, I'm just warning you ahead of time, this will initially depress you. <laughs> but if you'll look at it and you'll get a reality, a gut check, you can dig out from under it. Let's just say, for example, that you have a credit card and you are paying like a serious interest charge on that. Let's just say that you're paying 15, 14, 17, 18, 19% on that credit card. And whatever that balance is, whatever that balance is, all right, you're making a minimum payment every single month on that. Here's what I challenge you to do. Now, sit down when you do it because it's going to depress you. It's going to depress you, but it will hopefully depress you enough that you'll want to do something about it. You look, you see your balance, all right? And then you look and you see that you're making a minimum monthly payment every single month at, at this interest rate. Now then make, take another, let's just say that you're paying $100 a month. Here's what I, I want to tell you to do. And, and then once you get over your depression, maybe it'll force you to do something. Look at how much of that $100 you're paying goes to interest and never touches the principal. That's why you look and it just seems that you just keep have you ever had, you don't have to raise your hand. Have you ever had this experience? You keep paying on this same bill month after month, $100, $50, $200. You keep paying on it month after month and after month, and it seems like the balance is not going down. And why is that? 
you need to see things like that. And uh, you may open it up and you may feel like, you know what, at the rate that this is going, I'm not going to have this paid off before Jesus comes back. And and some of you may say, well, that's my plan anyhow. I intend for the Antichrist to pay it off. I'm going to leave it behind. I wouldn't count on that. All right, you take care of that. But once you get over, man, then you'll want to do something about it. Some people ruin themselves by their own stupid actions, and then they they blame the Lord. Number five, the law of motivation. The law of motivation is I must move against my fears. See, you and I are going to live our lives either motivated by our fears or by faith. Faith encourages us to step out and to trust God while our fears will always hold us back. See, some of you are afraid to really take a good look at it because you're like, even when I said emotionally, you don't feel like you're up up for the challenge, and you're like, I don't... I don't want to look at it. I know you asked me, but I don't want to look at it because it will depress me, and I don't want to even have any momentary depression. But, but here's what I mean. Once you, once you do it, then you get over the fear, and you're saying, well, you know what? I don't have to live this way the rest of my life. I, I can have faith. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to believe that God's going to help me to get a plan. And let me give you another practical reality. Again, this is foundation, but I'm going to give you uh, some practical reality. Seek out the counsel of people who, who know some things about these areas that you may have questions about. The Bible says there is, there's wisdom in the counsel. There's wisdom in the counsel of many. And there's people that are going to know things. There's people that know on a lot of different subjects way more than I, I know about. And it's wise on my part to seek the wisdom of counsel. And again, it's got to be the right people. It's got to be the right people that love you, trust you, you love and trust them, and and take advantage of those opportunities. But you may have a fear that says, you know what, I can never get out of debt. Or you may have a fear that says, I could never start that business. It's like you've got an idea, and it's like you've got a passion and dream and ability, uh, a, a temperament, you know, where this could become a reality. But the thing that keeps holding you back is because of fear. Or you say, well, I can't, I can't start tithing because how can I start tithing? I'm afraid to tithe because it seems like I don't have enough already. How can I take when I'm already feeling tight and pressure? Can I start tithing? And again, fear takes over. Look at these next two verses real quickly because we need to wrap this up. Verses 28 and 29, it says, take the talent from him. Who's him? It's the, guy, the one talent guy, right? Who It says he was afraid. Why did he bury it? It says, you go back and read, he was afraid, so he buried it in the ground. Now the master says, take the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. For everyone who has will be given more, and he, uh, he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. I can tell you, friends, scores and scores of people have read the two verses that you just saw on the screen. And you know what they said? They said, that is not fair. That's not fair. How can it be that the guy with the ten talents gets the one talent? You know, poor guy, the, the one talent guy. You took that talent. Now, hear me. How many of you are still with me? All right, I'm almost done, but you're still with me. Hear me when I say this. How many of you know the master has the right to do with his own money what he wants to do? The master has the right to do with his own money what he wants to do. And if you, if you were the master of the money, who would you give the money to? Would you give it to somebody that is frivolous and reckless and foolish, or would you give it to the person that can be trusted? And you know the answer to that. And so he gave it to the guy that could be trusted most. Law number six is the law of application. I'm almost done. This one I'll just mention real quickly. The law of application is this. If I don't use it, I lose it. 
If I don't use it, I lose it. How many of you know that's just not a financial law? How many of you know that's a universal law of life? What happens to muscle if you don't use it? Did you go to sleep on me? What happens to it? You lose it. If you don't use it, you're going to lose it. Atrophy. If you have a, if you have a talent or you have a hobby or you have something you enjoy doing and you don't practice it, what happens? You lose your edge. I'll give you one quick example. I love golf. I've been playing golf for many, many years. I love it. But you know what? I'm just as horrible at golf today as I was when I started. Why? Because this is what I do. I get golf fever. How many of you have ever had golf fever? I watch a tournament on television. I blow the dust off of my clubs, and I'm like, I'm ready to play golf again. And I will play like two or three times in a month. And I'm like, you know, I'm improving. I need to be practicing. I need to go out and putt. I need to go to the driving range. And I'm making some improvements. And then guess what I do? I put them up, and I don't play for another seven or eight months. I pick them up again, and I say, why aren't I improving? Because if you don't practice, you, you lose your edge. If you don't use it, you lose it. And the true, same thing can be true with money. You refuse to use God's money wisely, guess what? God has every right to take it. But the opposite is also true. If I use it wisely, how many of you know that God wants to give me more? Use it wisely. God says, you know what I want to do? I want to give you more. Why? Because I can trust you. I'm out of time, but let me give you the last law. It is the law of compensation. You cannot miss this one. And that is God will reward me for good money management. God will reward me for good money management. Do you know why God uses money more than anything else to test our faithfulness? Do you know why? I'll tell you. Because we struggle with money more than anything else. It's like God is saying, some of you, you feel a little tension this morning. That's all right. You're going to survive it, I promise. Because this is what God wants you to know. If you could ever learn to trust him with money, it's going to be much easier for you to trust him with everything else in your life. If you can learn. Why does God test us? He will, listen, you'll be tested in your life and testing. I'm not talking about temptation because God can tempt no man. God will never tempt us. But we are going to be tested in life from time to time. And God will test us more with money. Why? Because we struggle with it more than anything else. We think about it more than anything else. And God, he knows that if we could just trust him with money, it'd be so much easier to trust him with every other dimension of our lives. Look at, look at these last couple of verses, and then we're done. In fact, you can go ahead and stand, and, and we're going to pray. This is verse 21. Go ahead and stand. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in a few things. Now here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put you in charge of many things. Why would the master do that? Because the master could trust the servant. Come and share your master's happiness. So it's this idea of promotion and celebration. Here's what I know, friends. Here's what I know. God wants to bless your life. I believe that with all of my heart. I believe it with all of my heart. God wants to bless your life. All week long, and I know what's going to happen this week, and I know what's going to happen the week following. I'm going to be thinking about this series, and I'm going to be thinking primarily about you. And I'm going, to be, I'm going to be thinking about some of the enormous pressure that some of you feel in regards to finances. And, and I don't want you to live that way the rest of your life. I don't. 
I want you to have peace. Much more peace than you do pressure. But we've got to do it God's way. How many of you know that God's way is always the best way? God's way is always the best way. And I'm going to be praying for you because I believe that God wants to bless you. But he's not just going to indiscriminately bless you if he can't trust you. God's going to bless you more and more when he sees that he can trust you with what he's given you. You want more? Prove you're trustworthy. Isn't that true? And God will bless. And again, there's, there's you know, erroneous exceptions that can happen. I'm not talking, I'm talking about in general terms. And I just want you to have the blessing of God and the peace of God upon your life. Because if you can get this one right, so many other areas of your life can fall into place. Do you believe that? Listen, you need to be here next week. You got to be here. We're going to, I lay the foundation. You got to be here. If, if I needed to come pick every one of you up, and that would that'd take me a while. It'd take me a while to make all my rounds, but I would do it because what we're going to talk about next week, you and I need to hear. So, Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your people. Thank you, God, that when you speak to us about areas where we need your help, you don't kick us around. You're not harsh with us. God, you lead us because you've got a better way, a better plan. And I pray that more and more that we will trust you and look to you and ask that you would send wisdom from heaven. In fact, James says, if we lack wisdom about anything, that we can ask and that you will abundantly pardon it to us. So be with us this week and help there to be things that were said this morning that just prompt some action, some positive action that ultimately is going to lead to long-term peace. We pray it in Jesus' name. Everybody said? I love you, everybody. Have a great week. See you next Sunday.